Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, it's been a bit of a busy week, but it's been a good week. What's going on on your end? You're absolutely right. Busy week. And that's always a good week when you're busy. So things are going well. And I'm very excited about our guests that we're about to talk to, because as most people know, we've recorded a number of them. And our next guest is hit and clean up today to use a World Series analogy. Yes, exactly. So joining us today is Yurgis Vadouris, head of talent at Tidy Mile. He is a recruitment leader with 15 years of experience building organizations in various industries. He's also just coming off being a speaker at Tech Talent North. So we're excited to hear from you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And congratulations on almost hitting that 100 mark. That's we're amazing. getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. and We've learned a ton as we go. But I want to get to Tech Talent North because one of my friends was speaking at the show, Joanna Kimiech, and uh, I saw that you were too. And I had tried to get my dates on my calendar and it just wouldn't work. So what did I miss? How did it go? Yeah. I mean, it was great being around everyone. It's been a really long time, at least for myself, and going in an in-person event and even having sponsors with swag. I think I've never been so excited about lanyards again. So it was nice to be in that type of environment. And of course, I think just learning from your peers, I feel like our community has done a really great job of like sharing and sort of creating an environment where we're comfortable to ask each other questions. And so doing it in person at an event like that was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've just heard of other people that have attended in-person events. And Al and I were chatting about it earlier when when I come into the office and there's actually someone there, I get so excited. We have a coffee together because it's been such a long time. And and I'm one of those people that think being on screen like this is so much more efficient and, and make a better use of your time. But there is just something about getting together with people. So I get you. The first time we chatted, and my guests will know this term, but the audience might not, we set up chemistry calls every time we look for a guest for the show. And and the reason, as, as the name suggests, is to see if there's chemistry and see if this is going to be a good fit for the show. And I think we had, what, a minute of a conversation and, and the chemistry was there. We knew this is going to be a, a great person to have on the show. And we talked about so many great things. And, and one of the things we talked about was compensation and pay transparency. And we had a really good conversation about that. And you mentioned that you were building something at the firm you're at now. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah. So I've been working on a compensation philosophy and like pay transparency program with Tiny Mile for the last probably two months. It's also what I presented on at Tech Talent North. And so all I think about, I feel is like, pay and compensation. There are just so many phrases that now are like I repeat to myself in my head. And it's been really exciting for me. One, I'm really keen on this work and it's a new learning for me. So it is an opportunity to kind of Google and, and sort of see every company and what they're doing and trying to find pieces that make sense and where we're at. 
but also being at the conference, presenting on something that's like in flight and that we're still working on. I loved that back and forth. Like to me, that's just such a great chance to be like, all right, we hit send on this, but like, what do you all think in this room right now? And so I'm happy to go into more detail about the the work itself, of course. I like the term and we were recording an episode earlier and someone said they used the term, I think it was, we're building the plane as it's in flight. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And to me, it's very exciting to be doing something like that in, in real time. So what was the response from the people at the uh, conference? Everyone had like great response and lots of questions and sort of people who have thought about doing some of this work, but weren't really too sure if it made sense for them. So what did that scope look like? I also tried my best to share like templates and, and sort of those like real world examples. And so I think some folks walked away with some, hey, like, here's what I can build off of or start crafting. And we covered a lot of ground. So this work that we've been doing at Tiny Mile and and sort of where I've been spending my time is kind of building the foundations so we can have paid transparency. So like the ultimate goal from my end when I was joining is, oh, I want us to have salary ranges on job postings, which is fairly straightforward. It's not, you know, it's an easy thing. We could just slap a range on there and you don't really have to think twice about it. But if you did that, there are so many components of your internal team that might not kind of wonder, well, where did that range come from? What happens if there's people on your team who aren't in that range or maybe at the lower or the top end? And then also like, are you even comfortable talking to your team about that level of transparency? Or is it just candidates that you focus on So for me to achieve that target, we kind of outlined, well, what do we need to build and have in place? And that involved a compensation philosophy. We did a job leveling framework, did our compensation bands. And of course, we created a compensation like ratio calculator and then did a growth framework around how someone would kind of grow within their band and grow within the organization. So it's it's been really meaty and I've learned a great deal and, and I never really thought I'd find myself in a space where I'm spending all my time on compensation, but you know, here we are. <laughs> here we are is exactly. I know there's a lot more transparency than there used to be. Are firms at the point yet where they're posting like where the public can go and say, oh, for that particular job at that particular company, that's what it is. Is there that much transparency yet? Or are we still working toward that? It's what we are doing. And there definitely are some examples of companies that share their calculators publicly. There is even companies, Buffer is a a great example. Any type of work around pay transparency tends to lead back to them. And in their version of pay transparency, they have their levels, they have their bands, they have their calculator, but they also share the exact salary for all of the team members. And this is all public. I don't want to call it a sunshine list, but for those who are familiar with a sunshine list and kind of, if you work in the public sector and you earn a certain amount, your salary is open to the public, kind of that idea. What I like about that and something that I was reading and learned throughout this work is we know that our team members, our employees, folks in our organization are going to talk about their salaries. We know that to be true. And so if you build it backward with knowing that that's an action that happens, then what do you need to have in place? And so rather than having the sense of fear, if folks talk to one another, instead like support the conversation and hopefully give them the resources and the context to help like provide, I think the why behind some folks are earning what they earn 
or why different departments might have different levels or are certainly skill sets that are rewarded in a different way than others. Yorgos, I want to talk a little bit about recruitment because I know that's your background, but I do want to ask just another question about transparency, if that's okay. Because obviously there's a passion to you, obviously spending a lot of time on it. Have you gotten any negative feedback from, like, especially the people that it applies to, like any of the employees, any of the team members, have they heard any bad things? After we launched this work and Tiny Mile is a 20 person company. So we are tiny for lack of a pun, terrible. Feel free to hang up now. And so we launched this work through a town hall. And then I had one-on-ones with everyone after a few days to be like, hey, what did you think of the work? What was your impression? And something that did come out that I really hadn't anticipated was a lot of startups of our size operate as a flat organization, which makes sense. You don't have like very many managers. You don't have that sort of like traditional org structure. But when you are sharing these compensation bands and then you have performance evaluations and reviews that are such an integral part of how someone moves through those bands. If you're flat, it's hard to figure out, well, who am I talking to when it comes to those conversations? Who am I going to for that support? Not just when the performance review is happening, but all of the stages that are involved up to that sort of spot. And I think that's like the feedback that was most common or the question. And that was really eye-opening to me because you do have to add some structure around this idea of a flat organization in order for us to, I think, be successful in supporting our team members when these conversations are going to start happening. That makes sense. So I do want to follow up on the recruitment part because I know you do have a background in that. So can you maybe talk a little bit about, and you know, maybe it'll relate to your work on compensation and pay, but what's the benefit of having that background, that foundation in recruitment when you're uh, in your role that you're in right now as an HR leader? Admittedly, I think I did it selfishly because my background is in recruiting. And I, I truly can't stand the game that we play with candidates around like, oh, if you tell me your number, I'll tell you mine. And you just sit kind of staring on the call um, in silence and just be like, I'm going to wait until you tell me your number. I'm not going to, I'm going to keep mum, even though I have all of the information at my disposal. And so I've hated that. And I've tried my best to avoid that for a number of years in all the places I've worked. And so for me, it feels more empowering as a recruiter and as a recruitment team to say, hey, here are the bands. Here is what growth looks like. Here's how we handle performance. This is what equity means to our organization. And here are the success measures around potential liquidity events or sort of like major funding rounds that we might see, all of that. So it it admittedly started from that selfish place, I, I think was like, I'm done playing this compensation game. And how can I kind of manage that or make it clear to any candidate who meets with me that I don't want this to be a game. I I don't want this to be a negotiation where one party has more power than the other. Would it be fair to say that by doing this right off the bat with someone, you're already starting to create that layer, that foundation of trust versus, like you say, I'm going to wait, I'm going to maybe just to be a little bit coy. Do you see that? Like, hey, right away, I can trust these people. I've got some transparency right off the bat. I do. I mean, I certainly heard that feedback from candidates throughout the years. And I think there's a level of appreciation too. And the language is usually like, here's what we expect to pay for this role or sort of here's the band. Now throughout the interview process, we'll assess this. And of course, we'll have this conversation each step of the way, or we can revisit it. 
But there's something about starting that lens of wanting to be like sharing information right off the bat. There is also something about the idea of like not wanting to waste someone's time either. I've certainly had that a lot in my career where just compensation expectations were misaligned. And for those of us who work in startups or like technical recruiting, you're going through a lot of interviews before you're getting that offer. And so imagine spending all of that time to find out at the end that we were never going to meet your expectations in the first place. I know there's a lot of great content out there around sort of how to negotiate for more, how to kind of like, there's always an extra $5,000 or whatever the kind of tweet is. That hasn't been my case in where I've worked. There have been limits. And so I, I do want to recognize those. I don't think barriers is the right word. Is it like guideposts with candidates of like, hey, at the end of the day, this is likely what you're going to come in as. And so if that doesn't meet your needs now, let me introduce you to some other folks. Since we're having the candidate conversation, maybe you can talk about some of the changes that you've seen take place across the industry when it comes to how those candidates are engaging with. I think that demand for transparency is more than I've ever seen before. I think people are coming equipped with questions and like layers of questions that I haven't been asked. And that I really appreciate. I think it means that we have to really hold ourselves accountable to like how we go into these conversations and being prepared to answer those questions thoughtfully. There was a time in recruitment where we thought, at least I experienced this, where it was like, ooh, let's get the calls like as short as possible. Like, let's just do like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like in and out. But if you're asking someone about compensation, if you're going through that, like that in and of itself can be a 15 minute conversation just to go through what they're looking for and sort of what you're able to provide. So now I feel that there's a depth that maybe wasn't there. And we have to try to combine that with speed, (laughs) which is always the fun thing. Before Al gets to his signature question, because I know that's his favorite part of the episode. In truth, it's mine too, because I love hearing the answers. I was hoping, because I've heard the conversation so much lately. And when I was coming up in my early years in business, it was always HR, director of HR, right? CHRO. And now it's very much more head of people, head of people in culture. What do you think about that trend that, you know, head of people in culture instead of HR? Because when I was coming up in the industry, that's what it was. I'm sure there's some other similar terms out there too that maybe I haven't heard of and you could share with us. But what are your general thoughts on the trend that we're seeing? Yeah, we're coming full circle because one of the speakers at Tech Talent North, Allison Taylor, so she's the co-founder and the co-CEO of JNAP. And as a part of her session, She had said like she really isn't a fan of when HR leaders add culture to their title because it implies that HR owns culture. And I had never really thought of it in those terms. And if you asked me, I would be very, very clear that HR doesn't own culture. It is a shared activity. We may be the ones who are kind of owning the engagement surveys where we can find out more about our culture, or we support the activities that help build culture. But at the end of the day, everyone in the organization, and certainly across leadership, is responsible for maintaining and creating a positive culture. And so I myself have like been tempted to add culture in my title, but I didn't think of it from an audience perspective or for someone who's seen that, then it does imply that we own it. And that's not the case. 
And so I, I think maybe there's this fear of calling ourselves HR and, and, you know, whatever, fair enough. Anytime someone looks at me in a room and they're like, oh, HR is here, we better watch what we're saying. I do like lose hair over the comment, but maybe we've gone too far in another direction where we've kind of either lost focus or added so much scope under us that we are diluting sort of what we're there for and also what everyone else in the organization is responsible for. That's an interesting perspective that I honestly haven't heard before. And it certainly gives you pause for thought, as I'm sure you had when you saw that person speak. Just for reference, what was her name again, the speaker? Yeah, so her name's Allison Taylor. If I'm not mistaken, she's based in Vancouver. And she, okay. yeah, she's the co-founder and CEO of the uh, Jane app, and it's a SaaS software. Yeah. Allison, if you're listening, and I hope you are, expect to reach out on LinkedIn. I think, <laughs> I think that's a conversation uh, we would like to have. Yeah, This has been such a great conversation. And I know Al is ready and he's waiting to ask that question. Thanks for joining us and talking about this. And I think, you know, you and I have chatted offline and there's just so much to speak about. So I'm hoping you'll come back and join us again. But we'd love to throw our signature question at you if you're open to it. And yeah. we'll see what you have to say. So here goes. The saying goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, this question makes me nervous because it's such a beautiful concept. Something that I'm proud of or, or something I try to hold myself accountable to is assuming good intent in my conversations with others when we connect, when people reach out, when people challenge you on your ideas or suggest other approaches than what you're doing. I think that's like something that's lost in conversation now and how we we speak to one another. I hope I'm leaving a, an impact there. And I think a part of that too is also, and we spoke about my foundation in recruitment is recruitment is such a black hole for folks, especially job seekers. It is so intimidating. It's so exhausting. It's personal and you're rejected more often than you're said yes to when you're applying for roles. It's something they've started to do over the years of just being available for folks for questions that they might have about the process. I think attending events where like, I'm not presenting, we're just having a Q&A with the crowd. I hope that leaves a positive impact on this line of work. Yeah. I, so that, that's where I go to when you ask that question. I heard two parts there. And I personally can relate to the first part of your answer when you said, you know, just trying to be open to criticisms and new ideas and that kind of thing, because I am guilty of that myself sometimes of being, you know, a little sensitive when people challenge me. And I'm sure not the only one, but as soon as you said that, I could see a little bit of myself in there. So I can definitely relate to that. Do you remember the Jerry Maguire movie? Did you ever see that year goes? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you remember the famous end of the Jerry is just going off and all this stuff. And she finally says, enough. You had me at hello. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, you yeah. had me at good intent. Oh, that is such a positive yeah. message. And, you know, honestly, you don't hear that enough. And it's something that Al and I have talked about several times. It's why I do the podcast. I want to highlight people. I want to make them the hero of the story. That's why we want to hear these stories. And the feedback we get from our guests is why we do it, because other people want to hear those stories too. So I was really impressed with your answer. And I know when we talked about asking the question, you said, oh, I'm not so sure my answer is that great. That was a great answer. So really happy that you were able to share that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey. As I said, you're welcome back to do part two, because I know there's a ton of other stuff we could chat about. 
what's the best way for people to reach out to you if you have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Tiny Mile? Yeah, I'm a typical recruiter. I spend all my time on LinkedIn, so go for it. Feel free to reach out. I also have a website, it's just my first and last name.com. Thankfully, there aren't many of us, but uh, Lord help me if you have to try to remember how to spell the name to get there. But yeah, LinkedIn, we're here and we're here to help. All right, that's awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. Mm-hmm.